Peter says in 1 Peter to gird up the loins of your mind. And remember what we've talked about a few times, what it meant to gird up your loins. Remember, guys and gals, they both wore, you know, robes, you know, uh, and they would gird them up so they could take off and run. Well, Peter's saying gird up the robes of your mind. It's an interesting metaphor. In other words, to gird up your robe would mean to get ready to take off, you know, as they did when they were leaving Egypt. They girded up their robes and bolted. But he's saying gird up the loins of your mind, meaning keep your mind ready. Keep your mind alert. And we live in a day and age where we really have to guard our minds even more so than they did in the first century when we were told to gird up the loins of our minds. Why do you think we should, we have a, even a harder battle now in many ways? Why? Did they have the internet? Did they have television and movies and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and, and all the filth that's poured out through the iPhones and so forth that Satan used to attack? No, they didn't. But they still had to guard their hearts and their minds. And I did a message when we were meeting in the streets, I should say the parking lot during when COVID was really strong and we met in the parking lot about guarding our hearts. And uh, this one is about guarding your mind, winning the battle of the mind. And uh, it's a real battle. It's serious. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, Paul says, let him who thinks he stands, what? Take heed lest he fall. If you're one of those folks that thinks, well, I'm just super Christian. I don't really need to guard my mind. You know, you're already falling as you're thinking that. Pride goes before fall. Let him who thinks he stands. Take heed lest he fall. Uh, we are all subject to the enemy's attacks on our minds. Amen. Sometimes I quote an old quote from, it's attributed, I think, to different people, but uh, not original with me by any stretch. It's been around for a long time, but, uh, you know, Satan can tempt you, right? Just like birds can fly around your head. But birds, you, you shouldn't allow a bird to build a nest in your hair. Amen. And yeah, everybody's going to be tempted, but we don't have to allow those tempt temptations to stay there and allow the enemy to build a fortress in our hearts or our minds. Amen. We don't have to do that. In fact, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or physical, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, right? And the casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. So we're supposed to be casting down lies. We're supposed to be casting down imaginations. We're supposed to bring our thoughts captive to Christ. As a Christian, I want to encourage you, you should be in the habit of casting down thoughts in the name of Jesus. Thoughts that are contrary to the enemy, that he brings your way where he tries to plague you with a deception, plague you with a, a demonic ideology. Satan, the Bible says that, you know, the demons, they have doctrines and they're seductive. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 says that, the, the, the Holy Spirit speaks expressly that in latter days, some will depart from the faith, you know, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And a lot of times these doctrines are wrapped in catchy music with a catchy melody or catchy riff. And then all of a sudden you're singing lies, you know. There's an artist, some of those popular artists that have ever existed will have declarations about being proud about going to hell and the audience be singing along with him full-blown concerts where everybody's clapping they're going to hell and they would never do that normally but satan is seductive and we're called to cast down our imaginations imaginations that the enemy puts in our hearts or that just arise from our our fallen fleshly nature that wants to gain the ascendancy of our life that we're supposed to keep dead so let's count the old man dead amen 
So when he says the weapons of our warfare, we have weapons. We have the name of Jesus, amen? We have the word of God. We have all these different things that the Lord has given us so we can have victory over the enemy. So we have no excuse to be beat up. We have no excuse to have a, a spider web by the devil built in our head. As soon as he starts, you know, a spider, you know, sometimes you can't see spider webs. That's what's interesting to me about spider webs. So when you look at spider web, you can see it from certain angles. At other angles, it's like totally visible, amen? And the way we can see and make visible what the enemy is trying to do in our lives is take the mirror of God's word, the light of God's word, amen? And, and when we're in his word, we can see the webs that he's trying to erect. And what's interesting is spider webs are really weak unless you get caught in one. And Satan's lies, they're weak. There's no power in a lie other than what you give it by believing it and falling for it. And we need to make sure that we don't allow Satan to build a nest or a spider web in our head so he can lodge there. And we need to make sure we use God's word because guess what? You know, God's word is to Satan's lies what a flamethrower would be to a web made by a spider. It just destroys it. But you have to actually take his word out. You have to be into his word to detect Satan's lies, and to be safeguarded from Satan's lies. So right after he says, let him who thinks he stands, take heed, lest he fall. And I know I, have to, I don't have a ton of pages. I only got 10. But I'm like, okay, I have one verse here, and then I just went off with things that I'm not even thinking about. that are in my notes, but things that are in my heart. So, but enough with the illustration. I want to get a new bunch of scriptures, get some other illustrations, but other illustrations. I don't know why I went from bird's nest to spider webs, but it works because the, a, a spider web is very, very powerful. If you're caught in it and you don't see it, and that's the thing about a spider web is you don't see it coming. The fly doesn't see it coming. The bee doesn't see it coming. The wasp doesn't see it coming. The bug doesn't see it coming. And they fly right into it. But it's there. Satan's lies are all out there, but people don't realize that they're caught in lies right now. Have you been following what's going on in Israel right now? And have you been realizing what the Bible prophecies say about that? And you realize how many people believe lies? You know how many Muslims believe that Israel was never in the land? Even though the Quran talks about how the Muslims helped save them from Egypt, which isn't true, and brought them into the promised land. It's in the Quran. I wrote a whole article for a Christian prophecy magazine about that, quoting that from, from some years ago. Uh, there's just a lot of lies out there. And we need to know what they are, and whether it's on a you know, geopolitical level or whether it's just the enemy trying to attack our own hearts. You know how many millions of people in America, our lives are being destroyed because of the lie that pornography is somehow good and it will satisfy them? You know how many men, and also many women, unfortunately, too, look at pornography as though they're going to be satisfied from it, and it just jacks up and destroys their lives. It has a corrupting effect on the heart and the mind, and if, if someone gets into it and they're professing to be a Christian, they're, and they're truly a Christian, they're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. If they continue to grieve the Spirit and they refuse to repent and they continue in rebellion to God and not going to Jesus and say, God, have mercy on me and get right with God, the Spirit grieves and eventually he leaves, okay? Just read what David said when he was in adultery. Take not that Holy Spirit from me. He repented. If you're in sin, you can't continue in rebellion against God, okay? And you're, if you're saying, well, you know what? Uh, I'm in sin and I've been unrepentant in adultery with my, you know, commit against my wife or my husband or, or I'm steeped into pornography and I have no desire to repent at all and I'm just coming to hear the messages because I don't know why. My, heart is, my heart's prayer is for you that you get right with the Lord. 
Because if you're soaking your mind in pornography, that's adultery. And just look at what Jesus said to his apostles about adultery, how serious it is. I mean, he talked about it's that even you lusting after a woman and just, you know, bedding her in your mind kind of thing. He said, that's adultery. And then he talked about the serious judgment on adultery. So we have to, men, women, it's very, very serious that we take this seriously and that we engage in the warfare and that you realize your life is a vapor. You're here a very short time, you know, and this is the time we're being tested. Who are we going to put first? Are we going to love the Lord God, the whole heart, soul, strength, and mind, or not? By the way, did you catch that? The commandment in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Jesus asked the greatest commandment, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart and soul. And a lot of people skip the word mind. And they'll go right to strength. But, and mind and strength. Okay, sometimes when you see that, that verse is quoted, in the, that's in the Old and the New Testament a few times, and uh, doesn't always put all four there. Some might think it's just three because they see it one place and they think I'm adding the scripture, but I like to quote Mark 12, 30. Love with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're supposed to love with all of our minds. All our strength, yes. Whatever you do, you know, do it with all your heart. Amen? All your might, all your strength, right? But your mind is a target from the enemy. And, you know, a gal wrote in some time ago, and she's like really, uh, really, a, a, you know, loves the ministry. She's like-minded, and I was interested because I, I, certain, certain things hit people differently. But I did a message, and somewhere in the midst of that message, I talked about how important it is to Lord, love the Lord with our minds. It just came up. I can't remember what message it was. I just saw where she said it changed her life because now she's in apologetics. She's into defending the truth. She's into standing on the truth and watching out for the lies that are so popular. And that whole concept revolutionized her life. And that makes me, when, when I see that, it's like, wow, how many people are not guarding their minds? And their minds are a playground and they're polluted, you know. I mean, you would not take a sewer pipe and open your window with your wife and kids in the house or just you in the house. And then if you could flick a switch, just have raw sewage fill up your home. Would you? Nobody in the right mind would. Why would you do that spiritually? When your spiritual life is even more important than your physical life. Why would, you put a, why would you open yourself up to pornography? Whether it's videos, or I don't know if they do the videos anymore. <laughs> I'm ancient now. Technology, you know. But uh, I'm talking about like buying CDs or videos or just accessing it on your phone or, or your television set or, or whatever, you know. And, you know, you can't always know. I know it's like these days you don't know when it's even coming because it's so, becoming so normative. You know, I remember when I was doing ministering in the Netherlands with my family. Been there, I don't know, three, four times or so. And the television over there, so regular television has like a lot of nudity and stuff. You're like, uh-oh. And if we're watching something and something comes up, you either walk out or if it's something that, you know what? I don't even like personally, <laughs> my poor kids, you know, if it was an innocent kiss, it was always fast forward that, you know. A movie where there's just, because I don't know where it's going sometimes, you know. So I'm that way to this day. I don't sit around and wait to see what might happen, you know. And that should just be in our hearts. We just need to be in a certain practice of guarding our hearts and our minds. Amen.
We want to make our lives count. So we're supposed to love him with, Jesus says, and with all your mind. Satan loves to mess with your mind. The demonic spirits are very, very real. And, they, and you are not like immune to their targeting. Demo, demonic spirits will whisper into your heart and into your mind suggestions of evil. The way you respond to others. Uh, maybe it's anger. Maybe he's using pride in your life and then when things don't go your way, he'll stick a thought in your mind. That it's, not, it's not like Satan's everywhere at once. He's not like the Lord. He's not omnipresent, but he has millions and millions and millions of fallen angelic beings that do his bidding. And Satan can come around too. I mean, Satan possessed even Judas, you know. But typically, you know, it's just the demons are enough for us to, to, to topple any human being without Jesus. And they, they exist because it says we wrestle against flesh and blood, right? That's you and me. That's the church. We as believers, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers. The rulers of the darkness of this world, the rulers of the porn industry, the ruler of the abortion industry, the ru ruler of the drug cartels. There's a demonic world over these things. And you read about that in the scripture. You read about, you know, the prince of Persia, you know. You read about demonic entities warring against angelic entities from God. Revelation chapter 12, you see this war in the spiritual realm. You see this war reaches to heaven. In the book of Revelation, Satan's cast down. It says the accused of the brethren is cast down for the last 42 months of history. No longer accused of the brethren. Satan, he, he, in, in heaven, he accuses God of not being ethical. Well, you only protect Job because, you know, he only serves you because of what he can get from you. I mean, there's something messed up in this relationship, you know. He blasphemes God in heaven. Read Revelation. It says that. And his tabernacle, his people in heaven. The Antichrist will do that. Satan will empower him. The beast, it says, you know, he'll be empowered by the dragon. And he's given a, a mouth to speak blasphemies against the Lord. You know, the Lord, do you know the Lord can easily just use sheer power, boom, and wipe Satan out today? He could do that. You know that, right? Why doesn't he? Because there is an argument to be settled. Because God is going to be vindicated as being the one who is just and righteous and holy. Because sheer power does not get rid of all of Satan's lies. Satan filled some of the angels with lies. They rebelled against the Lord. Do you follow what I'm saying? He told Eve, half God said, the opposite of truth. And this is where the battle takes place in your mind, in my mind, all of our minds, between truth and lies. And Satan accused God of somehow being wrong. And God could just wipe Satan and all demons out. But he's allowing a process to take forth, take place, which before we were created, God knew this was all going to go down, but he had a plan to have a people that would love them, love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not perfectly until we're made absolutely perfect, but walking in perfect love as much as we can, growing in God's grace. But guess what? If Satan just was destroyed, all the demons were destroyed, it wouldn't get rid, it would not allow God to vindicate himself and show how awesome and righteous and beautiful he is in the way he wants to do it Amen. on the world stage. So a lot of the battle that we're in is a battle that we're not in alone. This is God himself is in this battle. He's showing forth who he is. And part of the battle is for your mind because God is allowing Satan to tempt us 
not above that which we're able, but to choose sides. Oh, by the way, we all know Satan loses in the end. Amen. But there is a, there is a, the world is filled with lies. You know, how do you undermine, how do you undermine morality? How do you get people to think they can just do what they will and do whatever they want? They can even kill babies in the womb. And it's not really that big of a deal. And the truth doesn't really matter. You just con everybody, as many people you can as possible to believe that the world just came about by accident. And all this incredible design we see around that's unfathomable is just an accident somehow. Darwinism. I told you Darwinism called his theory the devil's gospel. Okay, just when his book came out right around that time and I don't have time to get into it because now I'm just, just things are in my heart that I'm and I will turn this page eventually but he wrote to one of his colleagues thanking him at the very end of the letter he was done I've read the letter online it's, it's his letter he says thank you uh, P.S. thank you for propagating the gospel then he says i.e. the devil's gospel he hated God he was suppressing, the Bible says, Darwin and everybody that rejects him suppresses the knowledge of the truth. He's, they hold it down actively. And you know what? He didn't even go to his daughter's funeral. She died early, young. And I think that's a lot of, a lot of people, non-Christians too, believe that's where he got bitter at God, you know? And Satan can get a foothold. And there, then lies get legs all of a sudden. People just believe lies. And things are justified. Things that are wicked are justified. So it's important that we understand how important it is to love the truth. Satan attacked Eve's mind. The first deception was based on Satan attacking Eve's mind. How do we know that? Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it says, But I'm afraid, Paul writes, that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, that your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. that heavy? Think about that. There is a real battle for our minds. And Paul says he's concerned that just as Satan deceived Eve, so that he, through his craftiness, he will have access to, or you would also possibly, the, the Corinthians here, but by extension us, because these are written for our sake as well, that your minds, he said, will be corrupted from your simple and pure devotion to Christ. Then he warns about different gospel, different Jesus, and a different spirit. And how Satan comes to the angel of light, and his ministers come as ministers of righteousness. That's why you have to test everything. You have to be in the Word. What does his Word say? And you have to not just know what his Word says, we have to obey his Word. Amen? So it's very, very important to understand that we are in this battle. And Satan attacks the minds because guess what? It's through our minds that God communicates to us. Amen? When we pray, we pray and we seek him and, 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 and we pray with our minds and, and we cry out to the Lord and we're made in the image of God. And Satan made a lot of progress by attacking our minds. In fact, think about this. In Romans chapter 1, it talks about how we're created in God's, it talks about how we've been created. God created the universe. Amen says his invisible attributes, his divine power, and mentions all these different things, are known by the things he's what? By things that he's made. You could look at creation and say, can anybody here, you know, make a blade of grass? No. Oh, yeah, just grab a seed. You got to get your own seeds. You got to make the seed first. Okay, God made the seeds, amen? Can you make a human being? Well, I could just give me some dirt. You can't even do it with dirt. But you have to get your own dirt out of nothingness. Okay? We can't do anything like that. But then you look at, you know, the atom. 
You know the molecules. You look at DNA. You look at how fearfully and wonderfully we're made. We, we can't do that. And Satan's going to get applause during the tribulation period because it talks about the head that was dead that came back to life. He's not even bringing new life. He's bringing something that was there and he animates it in some way. So even though we, it's so obvious, we had to have been designed and created. We have consciousness. How do you explain consciousness that you have awareness? That's beyond just physical life. There's just so many deep things that are so beyond us. How do we explain love? How do we look at a sunset and say, that's beautiful? When we're, oh, we're just gases that really appreciate another gas that we evolved. It's like, wow, look at that sunset. So what's that deep feeling? No, there's, there's beauty. There's purpose. There's, it's amazing when you think about it. Mind-blowing. But Satan wants to believe it was all an accident. And you know what it says? This is what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 24 through 26. You could go there. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. And it talks about after they rejected the fact that God created everything, professing themselves to become wise, they became fools. And he says they were given over to sexual impurity. Verse 25, for they exchanged, now listen to this, for the, this is verse 25, for they exchanged the truth of God for what? A lie. That's where the battle is, guys. Because if he could undermine the fact that he's, if Satan could undermine the fact that God is a creator, then he's able to slip in those lies. You know, there was, Harry Potter was huge, but you know, the, the other big trilogy that was huge, like Harry Potter, even bigger in the UK for some time, was done by a guy named Pullman. I wrote a whole article for it. I mean, a whole page we took out in, uh, the, 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 I think it was maybe called the Enterprise back then, maybe it was already the star, exposing their lies. And the writer himself admitted that he's attacking the Christian God. And in that movie, or that trilogy, which they made into movies, it's, you see it now, it would encourage that, uh, one of the parts of the tr uh, trilogy was called His Dark Materials. And, the, and God, it's a bunch of witches communicating with the fallen angels, and they're the good guys. And God, you find out that he's an old guy that never really was God, but he's just pretending to be God. And then in the end, they just, he just kind of falls apart and blows away in the wind because he's weak. Satan, that's Satan's dreaming is what's going on there, you know. But these things are constantly put into the minds of people, constantly attacking who the Lord is. And it's very, very serious. So he goes on to say, for this reason God gave them over to degrading passions, verse 26. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the women and burned their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Do you read that? Hear that? Men with men, women with women, it says... Now, it's interesting because look, this is what Jesus said about Satan, John 8, 44. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Now, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Just the opposite. Jesus says of Satan, there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. A lot of our battle is, who are we going to believe? God and his word and his truth or the enemy's lies. The beauty is, is that the enemy cannot snatch us out of the Father's hands. Amen? Neither height nor depth nor principle or power or any other creative thing can separate us for the love of Christ. Amen? Which is, in, uh, which is love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And the word uh, snatch is harpazo. It's the same word used for the rapture. Satan so can't force us out. He has to use lies and say, hey, turn from following the Lord. Turn to this. Don't give your heart and mind over to God's word. 
give it over to pornography and give it over to, he doesn't say it like that though because it's too, that wouldn't be subtle enough unless you're a Satanist, then they'll just do whatever, right? So it's very, very important to see the war that we're in and it's a spiritual war and guess what? Since we've been born again, we've been declared righteous before the Lord, amen, and we're being, that's justification and now we're being sanctified, changed from glory to glory, amen, but what's one of the main things God changes? Our minds. Listen to Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. Now, that's something God does for us, but he does this synergistically with us. He's telling us not to be conformed to the world. You don't just don't wake up one day not conformed to the world. You grow in grace. You grow in wisdom. You grow in application of God's truth to your life, and you get weaned from the things of the world, and you're called to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A metamorphosis, I don't have time to get into the Greek, but it's really powerful if we had time to camp out just in this verse. So that you may prove what, is the will, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So when your mind's being renewed, you're able to understand God's will for your life, that which is right, that which is good, that which is beautiful, that which is perfect, you know. And it's interesting when he talks about how when we become Christians, there is a renewal that takes place. And one of the things that takes place is the renewal of the mind. How many know that your mind was not in the right place before you were a Christian. I was going to say, just J Big Jim? Yeah, I know you weren't. I mean, Big Jim was my wife's drug dealer before they were saved, you know? And uh, we were we lost. I, I, you know what? I didn't realize how depraved my mind was when I was a, not a Christian. But when I became a Christian, right when I turned 18, right about then, my whole life changed. But it wasn't until one of my friends... I was writing him in prison, encouraging him to follow the Lord. He claimed to get saved, exchanged some letters. I was, he lived down the street with one of my friends that I hung out with. And I uh, got in trouble with at times. And then when he got out, I went to encourage him to the Lord. I think I was still like, I was probably about 18 at that time. Maybe I just turned 19. I think I was still 18. And uh, he had smoked a lot of pot. And he couldn't stop. And he was a pretty tough guy, you know. And he was giggling like a girl. And he kept saying all these perverse jokes that came to his mind. And I want to say his first name. I mean, my heart still breaks, you know. Whenever I pass his house, my heart breaks. And uh, it was just that he was cutting up, joking. And the things that came out of his mouth were so perverse. And because I was in the light now, it's like, whoa, man. And I kept trying to, like, dude. Instead of saying his name, I just call him dude. I say, dude, man, what are you doing? It sounds, seemed like you were doing so good. What's going on in your life, man? I thought you were following Jesus. What's going on? You need to come back to him, buddy. Come back, man. And it was like it wasn't in hearing. It was like it was impenetrable. His heart and his mind. And the things he was saying, it was like one cut after another. He's making jokes about girls and stuff and just laughing his head off. And I'm like, and my heart just broke. And I thought, Wow. Later on, not that moment. I didn't think of that moment. That moment, my heart just broke. Later, I thought, wow, that was me and him and my buddies and my other buddies I hung out with. That's how we all talked. And our minds were so corrupt and so perverse. And when you, your mind is renewed when you become a Christian, amen, you renew your mind. You renew it by God's truth. You fill it with God's word, and it changes you. But you need, brothers and sisters, you need to be familiar with God's word. You need to have an intimacy and a love for God's word so it transforms. So God's word, which is the, 
which is breathed by the Holy Spirit, amen? Breathed by God. Theonoustos, amen? All scripture is God-breathed. Theonoustos, it's like breathed by God. And then he renews our, our minds. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, or, uh, uh, verse 17 through 24. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord. It's what the Lord's saying, Paul's saying. And I'm just affirming with the Lord, he says, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles all walk, how me and my friends used to walk, in the futility of their mind. You don't walk anymore in the emptiness, the, re- the, the stupidness, the futility of your minds, the way you were before you were a believer, the way you just think whatever thoughts would come in, you just accept them. Whether it was thoughts of sexual perversity or whether it was thoughts of hellacious thoughts of violence and malice and, or it was thoughts of greed or selfishness or pride and self-exaltation. Whatever the enemy, wherever you were at, materialism, all about you, whatever, narcissism, whatever thoughts consumed you, you're supposed to be renewed in your mind where you think different now. And then he goes on to say, not, don't walk like they walked, like you used to walk in the futility of the mind, their mind being darkened in their understanding. Darkened in their understanding. Oh, I guess everything's just a big accident. I'm my own God. So that's being darkened in your understanding. Excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they having become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him. Just as truth is in Jesus, that is in reference to your former manner of life, the way it used to be, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in, in accordance with the lust of deceit. So that old self, man, is being corrupted with the lust of deceit in accordance with it. And that you be, now listen to this, and that you, listen, and that you be renewed, verse 26, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of who? God. And has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Amen. So we're being remade in the image of God. And a big part of that is our minds being renewed where we're thinking God's word is now penetrating us. Amen? Now we're living according to his truth. The love and the light of his truth is in our hearts. It's in our minds. And, and we, we think truth now. We walk in truth. We don't walk in perversity and evil and destruction. And you know what? The church is being so lie. Here's one of the lies. Okay? Here's one of the lies that's so big. And you know what? I'm just going to make this a two-part message. Because it's only 10 pages, but because there's so many good things I've written down that I want to get to, but just things keep coming on my heart that aren't in my notes that just that I've been praying about, by thinking about lately that should probably be in this message and are, I guess, right now, right? Is the church is being sold a bill of goods. Because what do most people think of when it, mean, it means to become a Christian? Well, a lot of it's what we tell them and there's truth to it, but there's more to it. They become a Christian because they want What? To be what? To be saved. To be forgiven of their sins. Amen? To go to heaven. And that's the gospel. That's that's, the gospel is Jesus died for our sins. Amen? He was buried and rose again on the third day. And that's true. But it doesn't stop there. And that's how it is for most professing Christians. They think it's becoming a Christian. I'm forgiven. They go around. I haven't seen one of these for a while, but you see them. A lady across the street from me years ago had the bumper sticker. It's true, but it's not the whole truth. And it said, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. I'm like, yeah, that's true. We're not perfect yet. We're not absolutely perfect. We're becoming more like Jesus. But we're not just forgiven. It's not totally true. We're not 
Christians are, aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. Christians aren't just forgiven. True Christians have a renewed mind to one degree or another. They have a renewed heart. They're becoming more and more like Jesus. They're growing in grace. They're taking up their crosses. They're denying themselves, taking their crosses, and they're following Christ. Amen? They're seeking as the Lord commanded in 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, be holy as I am holy. They're seeking as Jesus commanded the Son of the Mount, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. They are going on, as Hebrews chapter 6 says, on unto perfection. And this, what I'm saying to you, and you've been part of this fellowship for some time, so it probably doesn't shock you, but that would cause a lot of people to fall over at church. What? Perfection? Holy as he is holy? That's the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament quote of the New Testament. Be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. It's just New Testament. And we're called to be renewed and become like our Father in heaven. We're called to be Christ-like. We're called to have our minds renewed. We're called to be serious about holiness. The Bible says without holiness, no one will see, see the Lord. Amen? And that's not talking about forensic, declared, uh, legal, forensic holiness right there. Oh, we are made holy in Christ. So if you are in Christ, amen, we are in Christ, we are forgiven. And we are righteous before God and we're holy before him in our standing. I believe that. So there's a lot of people denying that. That's true. But you don't deny either of these truths. Because I know when it says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. He's talking not about imputed holiness right there. It's not talking about imputed righteousness right there. You know, I know that. And almost every commentator will point it out if they spend any time commenting on that verse because he says, pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. It's a, it's a holiness you pursued in that context. It's a holiness in all the verses before that. He's talking about how God disciplines us so we will be partakers of his holiness, amen? In other words, it has to do with the way you live your life. Now, you don't pursue holiness so I can get to heaven and earn points and get right with, and then, and then God will say, wow, look at you, became holy. No, we, we, we become holy, we pursue holiness because we love him, because we're thankful, because we're walking in the faith, because we truly have faith, we want to please him. But if you seek and you say, well, I've been saved by grace through faith, I'm forgiven, but I'm going to corrupt my mind and not, not seek the Lord and not pursue holiness and so forth, that's evidence that you are not in the faith. The Bible says faith works through love, Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. If you're truly in the faith and you have true, genuine faith, the Bible says in James chapter 2, faith without works is what? Dead. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 6, faith works through love. So I'm saved by grace through faith, through trust in him, but if I have true faith, guess what? That faith works. That faith pursues him. That faith, faith, faith has to do with trusting him. Yeah, as to the word pistis is, they don't know how to translate it sometimes because they can translate it faith or faithfulness. It can mean either or at times. Sometimes translators oftentimes are like, hmm, what's a better way to translate it? And sometimes we, we get up hung up on faith, which is so important. We should be hung up on, but we can't be hung up so much where we stop there. True faith, if we're hung up on true faith, we want to move and grow in that faith. Amen. You want to be, move, you want to be hung up on biblical faith, which is a verb. Amen. It means to trust. It means you're leaning into the Lord. It doesn't mean some mental extent where the demons believe and tremble, he says in James 2, when he says faith without works is dead. You can believe a concept, oh, Jesus died for me, but not put your trust in him. Put your trust in him means that you are what? Trusting him. Leaning into him. Looking to him. Allegiance. Faithfulness. I like the word allegiance. We have an allegiance to him. Amen. And, and guess what? We don't stop, oh, I'm forgiven, I'm a Christian. No, I mean, I, I go through Paul's letters 
And several of his letters, he emphasizes how we're becoming more like Christ, how we're being transformed through our faith. And it's just not preached much today. It's, Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven. You know how the world sees when they see that? Oh, they're just saying they're just like us. They're still doing everything we're doing. They're just forgiven. And then they think that, and a lot of professing Christians live like that. Well, I'm just forgiven. Oh, if you're trusting Jesus. Yeah, you're a babe in Christ, but babes go on to adolescence. And adolescents go on to spiritual maturity and become spiritual adults in Christ. Amen? And Paul's heart breaks in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And the author of Hebrew, his heart breaks in, first, in Hebrews chapter 5. Both their hearts break when they say you're still babes. And there's a serious problem with that. Because in Hebrews 6, right after he says that in Hebrews 5, he goes on, let us go on unto perfection, he says. Not laying the foundation again of these initial ABCs of the faith. Move past them. Grow now. And brothers and sisters, I'm encouraging you, pursue Jesus. Remember we had that study in 2 Peter chapter 1 about adding your faith, all these different virtues? You know, we're supposed to grow. I love how 2 Peter 3 ends, the last couple verses in Hebrews chapter 3, last verse is grow in grace. You have to grow. You need to grow. If you're not growing, you're dying. Okay, if your mind's not being renewed, it's being corrupted. Amen. I mean, listen to Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge that has to do with the mind, being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. That's Christianity, guys. This isn't foreign if you're reading your Bibles. If you're reading your Bibles, like, yeah, I read that all the time. Joe, praise God. Amen, preach it. We need to grow more. It's just biblical. But you wouldn't recognize biblical Christianity because Satan is the father of lies and he wants to twist Christianity into something where you just go to church or you just, oh, I accepted Jesus in my heart years ago. There's, you know, there's millions of people who believe they're saved and they don't go to church, they don't follow Jesus. They just, they get drunk and they party and, and you know, they do all the same wicked things but they, since they accepted Jesus in their heart, they say when they're young, they think they're saved. And you hear it all the time. And it breaks my heart. There's literally tens of thousands, perhaps millions of funerals where people die without Jesus. And the, the pastor will come up or whoever and, oh yeah, I know when he received, you know, he may not have been walking with Jesus anymore, but I know I, I saw him go up an altar call when he was young. So I praise God, we'll see him in heaven, you know. And I just, I just saw a guy, I just saw this today and it was a book, I think it was a secular book, but it caught my eye. And, and, uh, and it was, man, if I, I don't want to give it away because I don't know the whole story other than what I, and I thought I was on Amazon and I was purchasing a book and, and somehow this came up and it was about this guy's childhood. And uh, really brutal. His dad was an incredibly wicked man. I mean, that's what the whole book was about. About how, how you know, the, 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 the guy's it was trying to kill his wife, you know, cut her, you know, break lines and stuff like that. And he got his son involved in all kinds of crime and stuff. And he said, his dad finally died. He goes, but he went up there and he said, my dad was an atheist, but I believe in God. And because uh, I went on YouTube, I said, this, what's, who is this guy? Because I don't want to give too much away because it was just an interesting story. And I don't know why it caught my eye. 
And then he's, and I just, well, I'm going to, you know, because it had a lot, quite a few views. And he says, but you know, I told everybody, he's an atheist, but I believe in God. And then he said, I quoted a poem where God has him though, you know, and he's, he's, you know, he's basically with the Lord, you know, and my heart just broke. I'm like, no, because you're telling everybody that they're going to heaven no matter what. That Rob Bell type stuff, you know. And, and the whole book, people, I read a few of the comments, and I didn't buy the I always bought the book, but I thought, I can't even read the books I've got, you know. So I was like, you know what, uh, I'm just going to see a little bit about this guy's story. And so many comments about, I can't believe, it's so hard to believe you lived this wicked of a life, your dad treated you this way, because his dad would commit crimes through him, you know, and do all kinds of wicked stuff, abusive, murderous type stuff. And some people wrote into him, like, how, how can you not be in prison, you know? I wasn't judging him. I don't know where he's at now. He wasn't claiming to be Christian. He said he believed in God. But he said at his funeral, and his brother came up. He goes, how could you say that? How could you say that? That about dad. That wasn't dad. He goes, I didn't lie. I just found, he said, I basically said some of the true things I knew about him. He goes, you know, all the abusive and wickedness? I'll write a book about that. And that's what this book's about. I'm like, yeah, but you did tell a huge lie. You made it sound like the dude's with God, you know? And you can't send that message to people. Because it gives them, it puts, that's what Satan wants us to believe. Thou shalt surely not what? Die, is Satan's lies. He was a murderer from the beginning. He told Eve, he attacked her mind. You won't die. He got her to think, think differently. Oh, I'll partake and I won't die. I'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she knew like good, good and evil. God knows good and evil. Yeah, but she knew it in a different way. God never experienced doing evil. It's impossible for God to sin. Amen? And she didn't become God. It was a lie. And she was forbidden to eat then from the tree of life. And God put cherubim around it with a flaming sword. And now you have no access to continual life. And they return to the dust. But you know what? We have a problem in the church. Because it says in 2 Peter chapter 2 that even as there were false prophets among the people in the Old Testament, it's talking about, there'll be false teachers among you who should privately bring in damnable heresies. It's even denying the one who bought the Lord who bought them. And then, well, it's going to be like that. Yeah. But you know what? The false prophets only had success, and Satan only had success, because people are willing to believe lies, including many who are claiming to be believers. In fact, Jeremiah was dealing with false prophets who prophesied lies. So they say, peace, peace, when there's no peace. Jeremiah 5.31, the prophets prophesy lies. The priests rule by their own authority. And listen to this. The priests prophesy lies, and my priests rule by their own authority, and my people love it this way. People loved it. They wanted, they wanted to hear the lies. They want to hear today in the church that the main goal for Christians is that God wants you to be rich and healthy and wealthy. That's a popular lie on TBN. Uh, it's, it's a mockery of Christianity. And that's what it says. Peter goes on to say, they'll make sensuality of you. They'll, 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 you know, they'll preach sensuality. And they'll exploit you with their greed, with stories that they've made up. That's exactly what they're doing. And now today in the church, just like Eve was told she can become God, right now in the prosperity movement, the word faith doctrine, which is the most popular version of the gospel on Christian TV, quote, unquote, is that we are little gods. You know that, right? We're little gods, supposedly. I mean, this is just mind-blowing. And then you confront people I mean, I've been there. I mean, we've had, we, brothers and sisters from this fellowship, we got together, went to a Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland's one of the main speakers, went to, not to hear him. <laughs> we went out there in the parking lot, we passed out tracts, warning about him. But people, they, don't, they love lies. 
I remember Scott Pruitt, you know, he lives in Florida now, but he's still connected to our ministry, and that's one of the live stream groups in Florida that we have and, uh, with some dear, dear uh, other believers there. It's beautiful. What, uh, it's neat to see what people are doing. But I remember he was there too, and some lady came up that was part of that movement. She's like, come out of him in the name of Jesus. Like he was possessed because he's warning about Kenneth Copeland. It's like, look how convoluted and twisted things get. But Jesus said, many are going to be saying, Lord, Lord, do I do all these miracles in your name? Cast out demons in your name? He's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. Some of the false prophets that are leading them. Yeah, Matthew chapter 7, near the end of the chapter there. And you know what? Paul says in the last days, he said, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, preach the word in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering doctrine, for the time will come when they will not heed sound doctrine, but after their own lust or their own desires, they'll heap themselves many teachers who will tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear. They tell Timothy, you endure affliction. In other words, guess what? Sometimes ministry is painful, but you don't find the easy way out. You go through the hard times. You don't fall for a doctrine that sounds good because it tickles your ears. And so we live in a time when, it's, when lies are, Satan is a father of lies, so guess what's going to happen in the end times? You know, it, said, it talks about in the antediluvian age, you know, time of the flood and that period of time where people were given over to depraved minds. Remember it says they did not seek to retain the truth of God. They rejected the creator and they believed a lie. Do you realize that's going to happen at the end? Listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Why don't you go there? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Talking about the coming of the Antichrist. And then in verse 8, it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan. So the Antichrist is coming with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders. Sound familiar? Sounds a lot like Jesus said in Matthew 24, 24. For false Christ will arise and false prophets showing great signs and wonders, deceiving if possible even the very elect. Here it says that Satan will, the Antichrist will come with power, and of course with Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders. False wonders. King James, which I have it memorized in, lying, lying wonders, counterfeit wonders. Verse 10, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish. Deception. Because they did not receive the what? Love of the truth. Brothers and sisters, it's important that we love the truth. You need to make, cry out to God, God, give me a greater love for your truth. Give me a greater love for your word. Show me wonderful things in your word. Because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send them, now this is heavy. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence. So what is going to happen is God, because God's sovereign, he's going to allow Satan and the demonic host to deceive them. So they will believe what? The lie. Or what is false. Same thing. In order that they may all be judged who did not believe the truth, but took what? Pleasure in wickedness. So these guys take pleasure in wickedness. They fall for the lie because they don't love the truth. It's imperative in these times that you are a lover of truth. I've noticed in my pastoral ministry, over 30 years now, and before that when I was ministering to people as well, that when people would go through hard times, they would seek the easy way out, 
at the easy ways, not all the time, once in a while. I've seen it a lot, especially in this fellowship. I haven't seen it, but I've ministered to people outside this fellowship, and I've seen it to other people in this fellowship too through the years. Where all of a sudden they'll believe something that's totally contrary to what they know is true. So they could cope, maybe. They take the easy way out. And all of a sudden they're rejecting God's word in areas. Let's say you find out that somebody dear to you chooses to be homosexual. Well, you know how many times this happens to somebody in ministry? And then before you know it, they're affirming that, oh, God's okay with homosexuality. But they'll claim to be biblical in the other areas, and they'll just say, we just misunderstand those texts. Because it fits into what they're going through, so they don't have to deal with the pain of praying their child back into the kingdom, perhaps, you know? These are, these are dangerous times we live in. But we're not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of our minds, amen? We are not to put our finger up and say what is going to be most comfortable. So it's going to be harder and harder to hold the truth, you see. Have you ever noticed the, the media puts a lot of pressure on you to believe certain things, certain ways? Just the whole COVID narrative. Oh, and I believe there's extremes on both sides of that, personally. But the media is just obviously, you know. I don't know if you know, but last November... They started showing studies, and even the New York Times, I just re- went and looked at them to renew my understanding of what was being reported in November, that if you got COVID, you're probably, very likely, immune for the next 15 plus years. Because those who got SARS-2 from coronavirus, uh, they're, 17 years ago, they're still immune to it. They didn't need to get a vaccination. And that was reported by studies that had been, been done in different universities coming to the same conclusion. So I went back and I said, I'm not seeing this reported anymore. And then I was even on a conservative website where they were talking about how if you've had COVID and then you get the vaccination, you can have more physical reactions. And I was looking at all the comments and on all the comments, and I read too many of them. I'm like, what's what, one person that's supposed to be a conservative site mentioned that the studies went... Pass it. You don't even need it if you've had the, if you had COVID. So then I got a little like, what, Lord? And I went and did searches and I came to the New York Times, which is not known as a conservative newspaper. And I started reading articles because the main article I was reading, uh, you know, it linked to a couple other articles. And then when I got to another article that told me I had to pay, well, then I found a way to find that article without having to pay. It's online, you know. And guess what? They're all saying the same thing. Oh, we're interviewing, they're interviewing an immunologist from Yale. Yeah, this doesn't surprise me. We expected this, but it's exciting news. And that was being reported in November. I was looking, I go, yep, that's the time. All these articles come in November. How come they're not coming up now? Did the science change? No, because the government and probably the pharmaceutical companies, uh, they want you to, you know, money is the root of all kinds of, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Uh, but also power. Power is more intoxicating to politicians than money in a lot of ways. And it doesn't fit the narrative of control. And I was like, you know what, Lord? I try to be, I don't just jump on the bandwagon when someone says something, oh, I'm just going to believe it about COVID one way or another. But I'm like, here, when I have liberals admitting that there's, now I have to be, I have to, you know, speak the truth. It said, yeah, there's certain vaccinations that are given to people that actually work better than if you've had the sickness. There's certain times you can get the sickness, like mumps, 
and then you won't get it again. But you can take the vaccination for mumps, which can cause a man to be sterile, by the way, and guess what? It doesn't always work. So it's better to have had mumps than to get a vaccination. So it depends on the disease. But they're acknowledging that so far, the pathology and the studies that they're looking at, they don't have a long sample size, but they're saying it's following the same thing that we, we've seen already with the other COVID. It's a, it's a cousin of the other COVIDs, coronaviruses. It's doing the same thing. So it's probably going to, we expect people to be immune for 15 or more years, like everything else. Oh, but if you haven't had a strong viral load and you had a small viral load, you didn't have much of it, then you may not be as immune. You may get it sooner. It may not fight as much. And then I see people writing. This is why I did. I saw so many people saying, yeah, but the immunities, you know, the, the antibodies only last two to three months. Nicolette studies this stuff. She, that's her field, right? So she, you can correct me, Nicolette, if I'm off anywhere, these things. But uh, you know, Nicolette, you get helper B cells and helper T cells. When the antibodies disappear, you have these backups, man, that are just rearing to go and ready to go. I think the T cells, they latch onto coronavirus and destroy it. I think the helper B cells, if I, if I remember right, they just create more antibodies if you tend to get the sickness again, you know? And I thought, you know what? This is so underreported purposely. I'm not saying not to be careful with COVID. I was in the hospital because of COVID, okay? I just love truth, though, wherever it leads me. And that's what we have to be about, truth, Amen. And we have to make sure we understand that the world system is about promoting lies. And the same thing I show with They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll and music. We're getting ready to show in Marvel. But guess where you also see it? You think the news media is not influenced by demonic powers? You think liberal politics and even some pseudo-conservative politics aren't influenced by the evil one? We have to stick to the word, amen? We have to stick to the Lord's truth. You know what? Uh, I'm gonna, I, I, have a, I have no part two, except now I do. And if I start now, I'm start with my part two. And I'm not going to want to stop. But uh, I want to give you a lot of scripture about how you can protect yourself, your heart, and your mind, and have victory over the evil one in regard to protecting your mind from those onslaughts. They're beautiful scriptures and uh, powerful and about how we can grow in our love for truth and, and our excitement for God's word by simply, you know, doing what the scriptures say, praying and crying out to the Lord. And, I, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into those, but man, is it me or does it go quick? Went quick? Okay, you ready for more? No, I'm just kidding. Part two. We'll have part two for sure. Amen. All right. So guys, let's love the truth. Amen. There's so much. Uh, you guys, I'll just say this. Did you know what are the odds if you were to make up a false prophecy or you were just a state right now, okay, not a false prophecy, you just came out and you said, what's going to happen in 2,000 years? What's going to happen is Japan is not going to exist for almost 2,000 years. Then they're going to become a country again and all the countries around them are going to try to destroy them and people are going to hate Japanese people all over the world. And if I just said that, you'd say that's, the chance of that happening would be about what? Zero. And that's only going to happen to that country. That's what happened to Israel. That's happened to Israel. But that's just a few of the prophecies. They'd recover their language. You know, uh, scriptures talked about how they'd reject their Messiah. Then, that, then they'd cease to be a country for a time. And, you know, that the gospel would go out throughout the world, which it is right now. That lawlessness would increase. That globalism would become the thing. 
that there be an anti-Christian sentiment and anti-Israel. It's, it's the very things, and there's hundreds of these prophecies being fulfilled in, in, in a, either starting to or being fulfilled right now. We have got a, God, a God who said he proves to you that he's the tr- truth because he says, I tell you the end from the beginning. We could, he tells us to look at that. And I will tell you something else he says look at to show that he's truth as well next time. But let's uh, bow our hearts before the Lord. Father God, we pray.